Microphone check, one, two, what is this? It's the five foot seven assassin in the podcast business. I am your host, Rohan Patra, the rap music plug at your service. Here we are again at the end of the In today's political climate, music that speaks to real issues is something I gravitate to more than I ever have before. If you add on wildly creative music to back said real issues, you've got me hooked. That's exactly what we have with today's guest on the show, Gais Guevara. Gais is a Philly rapper who is unapologetic about his strong communist beliefs, whose music has quickly achieved real critical acclaim this year with the release of his impressive new album, There Will Be No Super Slave. Listen on and get to know an artist you will surely be hearing about for years to come. The Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC TV is the remedy to the I don't have anything good to listen to problem. Through in-depth album and song reviews, as well as artist interviews and general rap commentary sprinkled in between on all of what the mainstream and underground rap scenes have to offer, this is your one-stop shop to knowing what to add to your queue, play next, or pop into your record player. Welcome to the show. Gais Guvara, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Chilling. Feeling good. Blessed. Congratulations on the recent success that has been spearheaded by this latest record. I feel like it's been getting a ton of coverage, getting major publications, giving you a lot of love, a lot of love from listeners. It seems like every couple of days I'm seeing someone say, like, oh, I checked out this, this person's music and I love it. So it seems like it's really resonating with fans. And I'm wondering, like, how how has that felt? Because this definitely feels like another level. I see your follower account like jumping every single time I, I check out your, your profile. Like, how has this all felt? Um, It's pretty, um, it feels pretty good. Um, I think it's kind of daunting, obviously, because it's just like coming so damn quickly. Um, but you know, um, it's never really any weird shit. You get the typical like threats and hate mail or whatever. I mean, that comes with the political shit or mm-hmm. whatever. But um for the most part, it's been great. I've been enjoying the reception. Everybody's been nice. So like, <laughs> you know, it's um it's pretty cool to finally be recognized for something that you know that you've had a strength in, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm saying, and it's like, you know, finally coming together. So yeah, it feels real good. And are you, is a part of you, any part of you surprised by this kind of music getting this kind of love or I, cause I'm sure you've been getting great feedback generally, but just on this scale. It's funny you asked that. Cause in middle school, I was voted most likely to be famous. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's even star potential forever. So, um, technically no because like everybody kind of figured it would be the case but you know it's still like you, seven billion people in the world and i'm the one you know with the npr and the needle drop and all that shit it's like mm. you know it's, it's it's still kind of like damn me out of all people type shit you know what i mean were you always like outspoken growing up like were you always the one that people like noticed like when you're in the room yeah, a little too much got me in trouble a lot, mm. but um, yeah, definitely. That's always been a part of me. Um, I've, my main lesson, my pops always told me, you know, know your audience, know your place and time, because what you're saying is correct, but you know, it's not doesn't need to be said sometimes. Um, mm. But yeah, that's pretty much always been the case. The FBA feel like the FBI. 
the way they trying to keep my folks away from the tribe. I'm eponymous, the king of Opobo. Pharaoh to the monopoly that interferes to muzzle El Lobo. Autochthonistic heat like I'm supposed to. Brandishing tough defense for our land like we supposed to. Brandon the reprimand of our blood be the whole shit. The snare and the kick. Gotta be hard enough to break the hypnosis. Transatlantic typhus, identity crisis. Diaspora warfare, kill without a license. Kill without the effort. Ten hut, yes sir. I disassociate to avoid all the gestures. So in your catalog, in particular, these last two records, it's clear that you're obviously educated in the world of politics. And so I'm just wondering, because you're a young guy still, like, how did you how did you really get to learning all of this kind of knowledge? And were there any kind of like pivotal books, podcasts, YouTube channels that helped you gain this kind of understanding? Um, I mean, realistically, I was kind of like born into it. Um, my mom, my aunt, my father my family period, just all been, you know, doing move rallies and uh, anti-death penalty rallies, and revolutionary rallies. And you know what I'm saying? So it's always been kind of like being taught to me since I was young overall. Um, you know, anytime I came to school with a new, oh, did you know Abraham Lincoln did so-and-so? They had a counterpoint, you know what I'm saying? Like shit like that. Um, so it's always been kind of like instilled in me, but even then, you know, I think it was taken more to a next level around like the George Floyd shit. Um, when I started, you know, really started talking to socialist organizations and they started getting me to read certain things and shit like that. And I really started coming into my own about it. Um, you know, so um, I think it's really just a matter of timing. You know, I think a lot of young people, there's a lot, so many people that I hang with 19, 18, 17, that just know so fucking much. It's, it's ridiculous more than an average, you know, 50, 40 year old, you know what I mean? Um, I think it's just a matter of timing. We're living in a climate where, <clears throat> you know, learning that kind of geopolitical and political mindset and so on, it's just, it's becoming uh, popularized. Um, yeah. You know, I, I wanna kind of attribute it to that as well. I feel like nowadays it's definitely the quantity of information is just obviously so much easier to access, but I do find like it's also, I mean, I don't have any data to back this up, but I would imagine people are generally more informed at the age of like 18, 19, like you said, but I feel like they're also probably more likely to be like radicalized in a potentially positive way or like some pretty dark shit because like you have so much more access now to like some terrible people that like have huge platforms on YouTube and podcasts and things like that. It's it's just a wild time. It's like literally like Infowars shit. Like it's funny, like I watched that, show i mean obviously it still exists but it really is it really is a real app title people are always going to be malleable you know what i mean no matter the age you know you could be 60 and all of a sudden it's like wow i remember having a conversation with my father about like trans folks and like we're talking about like Dwayne wade's daughter and shit like that and you know shit that i didn't think he would understand he was like oh okay i see where you're coming from now you know that type shit mm -hmm. so it's always like um you know it's always going to be a switch that flips. I mean, I feel like around college time is a lot of, it's, it's really when it starts to happen because people are starting to be on their own now. They're more uh, of an individual now and they have to carry themselves now. So they start reaching out to a lot more information to get a lot more answers. And, you know, with all of that, you know, pick a side type shit. Yeah. Do, do you feel like uh, people are generally... Like, do you feel like there's just certain people that are just not, are just like too far gone to where it's like these people can't be changed or can't be 
informed in a way that they change their opinions or they're just kind of like, okay, these people are just going to be reprehensible forever. Well, I'm kind of one of those like never say never type people. Okay. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm tired of being surprised. Everything, the worst thing that your mind can concoct, it, it, it probably has already happened. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but um, I think what it's a matter of how much effort and resources is required to get this person to change. And mm. it's like, you know, sometimes it's not even worth all that, you know, yeah. in 20, the 15 to 20 years that it would take for them to finally change their mind. You know, I could have radicalized about 800 folks by then, you know what I mean? Type. So, you know, it's not even a, I don't think it's a matter of being too far gone. I think it's just a matter of um, working too hard, you know, for nothing like this yeah. one person type shit. Yeah. What would you like recommend to people that are not that very, not that informed, but they want to, they have an interest in it. What would you say like their first few steps should be? Um, definitely surround yourself with the right people. And I know that's hard because who yeah. are the right people? You know what I mean? But um, that's something that I can't personally decide for somebody else. It's always going to be different people that influence different people for different reasons. Um, so, but I would definitely look for a community first because uh, guidance is very important. You know, I'm tired of people telling people to read this book, read that book, read this book. And it's like, nobody knows what to gather from these damn books. They don't know the context, the comprehension. They don't know the history behind it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I wish I read conscient consci Conscientism with a fucking group because I didn't know what the fuck I was reading. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So definitely you would have to find that community first. Um, and I wish people would stop being so dogmatic and isolating and alienating people for not knowing and shit like that, because that's really the most important step. Yeah. They always, I think all the studies say that like the, the most powerful way to change someone is, is just the based on who's around them. It's always about the community. It's not about any like book or resource that like never is the case as an artist. That's clearly very politically active. And you put a lot of that in your music. Do you feel like this perception or this title being called like a communist rapper? Do you feel like it pigeonholes you? Does it bother you at all? Or do you embrace it? Um, it doesn't really bother me because I mean, essentially that's what I am. You know what I mean? I can't sit here and be, I always hate when people like rap all their fucking lives and they're like, I'm not a rapper. I'm an artist. Well, mm -hmm. you've never shown us any art outside of rap. So I'm not mm -hmm. going to call you no fucking artist. You know what I mean? Um, but like, <laughs> you know, if I'm, I'm, I mean, I rap about communism shit, put two and two together, I'm a communist, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. it is kind of annoying because, you know, it is a bit of a pigeonhole. I've seen people get turned off by the idea because, you know, most communists rap and most of what we know communism to be, you know, whether it be due to misinformation or Twitter or whatever, you know, gets a negative connotation. Yeah. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, it's my job to to show people that you know that label doesn't necessarily define everything that i am you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. i can get you a club hit i could talk about anything other than communism i mean it's in the music in and of itself all you all i got to do is make you be able to listen um so i mean labels are always going to be labels people i think people do over rely on labels a lot but um you know that's what they do we live in a world where people can't really articulate well so yeah you know i can't really get too mad at it how has this label do you feel like actually made tangible like has it put actual tangible roadblocks in your career maybe for like publications or like other people not wanting to work with you because of it or has that not really been the case yet 
I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, first and foremost, I definitely think that connotation has gotten me where I'm at in the first place. I definitely want to respect that. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, communist rap, that's actually, that's what they say, you know, communist rap, that's actually good. Like, what? Yeah, it is Shit intriguing. Like it's an intriguing concept, <laughs> yeah. rarely done, you know? Yeah, so um, definitely, I don't want to, like, downsize it or whatever. But um, it's definitely, like I said, you know, my homie tried to get me played in Boston get a show for me in Boston and the dude just outright was like, you know, I don't like his music, which, you know, that could be the case. You could just not like my music, but it's just like, come on, Boston, yeah. black, Muslim, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what's it really about the music? You know what I mean? So, <laughs> um, you know, certain shit like that, but you know, we move, I kind of knew what I was signing up for. Um, you know, when I stepped into the game, you know, the way that I did, but, um, you know, we move on regardless. So, so one track that really caught my eye, because at first, I first listened to the latest record and then I went back in your catalog and I checked out Black Bolshevik and you have this track called Fuck the Nordic Model. It's a great track. It just sounds great. It's just, I love the beat, everything about it. But that title, I was like, damn, that just like immediately caught my eye. I'm like, whoa, that's a, that's an interesting statement. Cause like, I'm not as politically knowledgeable as you but i know some things i'm generally pretty interested in politics to say the least in terms of keeping up with things trying to do my own research Mm -hmm. but the the nordic political model in particular is often cited by many people on the left particularly socialists as one of the better representations of like an ideal that other countries should be going for so why do you feel that i mean it isn't a good uh model to strive for and why do you think like your ideas of a communism or a better, better approach. I, I kind of like pretense these kind of conversations with like the idea, like first and foremost, I'm for black folk and African folk around the world, period. You know what I mean? That's, that's my main priority. Um, so, you know, when we get to talking about things like the Nordic model and yeah, the free healthcare is great. I mean, but that's a given, like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's not really, it's kind of obvious. Yeah. <laughs> You know, free education, kind of obvious. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like we get real celebratory over the bare minimum, especially when these benefits are because they they have a certain, what's the word, cushion based upon the, the siphoning of resources and the abuse that they give to the third world, to, yeah. to African countries, to, um, you know, um, South, South American countries, Central American countries, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, um, un- unpaid labor, you know, um, the wars, the you know, all that bullshit. Um, so it's kind of like damning when people kind of try to put it on this pedestal. It's kind of like it's neglect. It's essentially neglect. Yeah, you know it is. I see what you mean. Um, because all of this is coming, once again, from the land of like third world fucking countries, you know, fucking um, what was it, Sweden, whatever the fuck you know, bomb the shit out of Libya, was part of NATO helping fucking Hillary out, you know. They're willing to do anything to maintain their comfort, quote unquote, because, you know, black folk, African folk don't matter to these people. And if they got to step on a couple third world folks, you know, to get what they want, which they have to, I mean, that's just how the system runs. That's how their system runs. Mm-hmm. You no, know, um, they're going to do it. So I don't really see a cause, a means for celebration about it. <laughs> yeah, I see what you mean. It's like, it's kind of like celebrating it with like no context to how they, it's like neglecting the the starting point and then just talk, evaluating what they have now. It's like, well, yeah, they definitely need to create this out of thin air, out of benevolence. 
Yeah, this um, is, these are imperialist, yeah. you know, neo-colonialist countries, you know what I'm saying, with a history and the slave trades and so on and so forth. So it's like, you know, the scramble for Africa and all of that other shit, you know what I mean? So, you know, don't be coming to me about no fucking, you know, Nordic model, Scandinavian model when, you mm. know, they got their hands in the pot, just like everybody else. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, it kind of reminds me of those like memes that you would see uh back in like well I don't know when these came out of like uh like fighter jets and then they would have two fighter jets one that looks like a fighter jet and one that is like the same but it has like a LGBTQ like like yeah. like flag it's like that's basically what you're describing and I definitely get what you mean. They say it's the just... next bomb is gonna be by a woman president. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> need more women bomb right. general. Fucking, yeah, yeah. Another really interesting track you have on this latest record is uh, Patrice Colors Stole My Lunch Money. Love that title. You really you really know how to make like good good titles, albums and and songs. And you know, this song, other moments of your discography, even some like you just mentioned it earlier is that you definitely speak to this growing trend of of like academics or pretentious leftists if you will that are as you put earlier like kind of just like alienating people who don't know things potentially. And a line in particular on that track I referenced that I loved where was when you rap flaunt the vocabulary, patronizing the folks that survive off the strength of the block. Why do you feel this this dynamic of, I guess you could say, like condescension or elitism exists within people that you'd think otherwise would have like a higher than normal understanding for the people they speak or fight for? Um. Well, that's because I think for the most part, um, especially in the West, in Europe, in, uh, in America, in this twisted, I guess, semi-ironic sense, you know, their, their extension to help others is still a means of their own self-sufficiency, of their own individualism. You know, they are helping people not for the sake of helping people, but because it makes themselves look good. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um. And whether it's on purpose and whether it's not on purpose, I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a sociologist. I don't fucking know. But um, I'm just going by, you know, the actions, you know. You get a whole lot of read marks, you know, like like Wood said, spare me the hallmark car marks. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you know, you don't be trying to hear that shit. These people, you know, that come from these well-off neighborhoods that, you know, only rally at the college campuses, which, yeah, it's potential there. It's revolutionary potential there and all that shit. But, you know. Everybody, Lennon knew, Mao knew, and no Castro, Shea, they all knew that it came from the hood. It came from the workers. It came from the poor folk. You know what I'm saying? Um, and there just seems to be an utter, they can't seem to release that narcissism that comes with being from, from an established, you know, um, background, you know, a prestigious background and so on and so forth. Um, so they can never get down in the gritty and, you know, talk to people on the levels in which that, you know, they can talk to. And it's so weird because they'll try to tell us how to go about our things, but they'll never sit there and try to, you know, over, over analyze and, and, and over talk and over speak. So, you know, the racist uncles and the racist grandmothers that they got in their own damn family, but they want to come over here and try to tell us how to say certain things and how to define certain things. Yeah. And how it works. It's just so damn damning. Um, so, you know, it kind of frustrates me because being in around those type of people in my organization, you know, days and shit like that, um, you know, being in certain areas where I see them 
dude's obviously walking. He's pissed off having a bad day, and they're still trying to get in his face with a fucking flyer. And he snaps, and now, you know, they treating him like the bad guy type shit. And it's like mm-hmm. that type shit just pisses me off because I knew, I could have seen a mile away, yo, that brother's not feeling it right now. Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to approach him, it's going to be about what he's mad about today. You know, he probably lost yeah. his job, some shit like that. But they, they, they're so, again, self-important, so individualistic. If it's not about what they want and how they want to do it, you know, then it's 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 pointless to them. It's just frustrating as hell. So. <laughs> yeah, like I think the way you said there about how they'd rather approach and kind of like demonize people that they're, again, like otherwise trying to speak for or elevate versus the actual real like enemies here, like the real racists and all that. It's because it's easier. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's such a, there's no power dynamic that you have to overcome. It's just like, well, I'll just, and, and I really like the part of that line where it's like flaunt the vocabulary because that's something I've noticed for so long now. It's just this like obsession with, with like getting caught up. And I'm, I'm not trying to make this like a, I hope it's not mistaken for saying like words don't matter or there's like not hurtful words. It's just like when people start getting into these term battles where they're like, no, this word actually means that, like, how stupid are you? Like, that's actually like, you don't even understand it's like why are we what are we talking about like yeah why are you flexing um, on me just tell me what you're like like i'm agreeing with like the sentiment like what the what is this shit bad for, exactly like we're on the same frequency yeah. you know what i meant by what the fuck i just said yeah you know you want to sit here and 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 you know be pretentious and 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 uh what's the word um pedantic about it and shit like that yeah it's it's so unnecessary because it doesn't get shit done you know what I mean? I understand words mean things. And I understand the 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 need for an extensive vocabulary. I mean, listen to the words that I fucking use in my lyrics. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, fucking porpertuness and shit like that. Like, I understand. But at the end of the day, and, you know, Asada said this about Huey. You know, nobody knows what the fuck you be talking about, bro. Like, <laughs> and nobody wants to hear that. You just want to hear yourself talk at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not, that's not going to get... If you if you want to show off, then say that you're showing off. You know what I'm saying? Let that be it. But don't come off like you for the people. Because if you're going before the people, you got to be on the same frequency as the people. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So. Yeah, it is narcissistic. It's just like you want to hear yourself sound good and feel like an ego boost, really. So, like as we've talked about now, like you're obviously very well informed. But the thing I think I love the most about your music is that you have that missing ingredient that a lot of artists in your lane just fail to to do because it's hard is that you're able to make pretty complex ideas be relatively digestible and it's delivered in a very articulate easy to understand way and not only that it's catchy and paired with flows and like music that backs it that's like really exciting just on a pure musical level so starting with like your lyrical craft like how did you develop that and who are some of your key rap influences growing up it's always funny because i've been like i guess rapping quote unquote since like fucking third grade so it's always hard to trace all the way back and kind of figure out you know what the development really was um i can tell you that like you know around middle school i was kind of like big into like that whole underground immortal technique crooked eye chino xl you know aesop rock you know that type shit lupe fiasco but then you know as i got into high school you know, I started listening to a lot more of the mainstream shit, you know, um, you know, that's what the ladies like. So you mm-hmm. had to, you had to be hit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I did like it for my own sense of self and shit like that. The whole SoundCloud era and shit. 
Um, so I think it's just a matter of being in so many chapters um, uh, with, within my life. Um, you know, I kind of like attributed like whatever the beat is, whatever message I want to convey, the influence is circumstantial based off of whatever the song is. You know what I mean? Um, so some days I may want to be like Ka. Some days I may want to be like Scarface. Some days I may want to be like Pac. Some days I may want to be like Future. You know what I mean? Um, it just really depends on the song and how I want to approach it and what my goal is. Mm-hmm. If I want it to be a hit, obviously I can't be rapping like fucking um, Talib Kweli. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> if I want it to be heady, if I want it to be, you know, something for people to think about, obviously I can't be rapping like Playboy Cardi. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, of course, all of these is manifested in a way that my own shit my own personal experiences and influences outside of music books video games movies um is is represented so that it's never um a matter of influences on my sleeves too much yeah yeah i definitely feel that i think the combination is pretty 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 uh cohesive i find like both in like the references you can tell like just off listening like what kind of things you're into what are some of your interests Mm-hmm. uh like like even like cartoon shit like spongebob yeah. and stuff like that like it, it comes across pretty uniquely yeah yeah exactly you always want to bit put a uh you don't want to be the person that damn my prayer beads for you all you don't want to be the person like that they just the comparison man you know what i mean mm-hmm. oh i couldn't get <laughs> i couldn't get so-and-so on this track so let's just get guy he sounds just like so-and-so yeah you know? yeah you don't want to be that person um so I'll, every now and then I'll do some uh, some crazy shit, some flipping shit, you know, just to set me apart from, you know, whatever the fuck. I'll throw a SpongeBob reference or a Simpsons reference or, you know, a, a Skyrim reference or some shit like that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just to, you know, let people know that I'm my own individual. Hope that he know what the shoddy do. Hope that he read his cadavers and learn what that 762 do inside of you. Peep the behavior he's showing the tendencies only a bitch is allowed to do. Sit in the puddle of grief while the vultures around you be all in your fucking food. Uh, never seen Bo on the block. Frozen from shock, body on lock. Only could move when abused in the walk. Something is killing him. When it eats at his heart, is he feeling it? He don't fuck with the dirt like Dominicans, but his life seems to shatter his discipline or his christening. And so I really want to get into this new record now. So like when how i first heard this was shout out to to backwash they they put they put i think they said that this was like their favorite album of the year and i was like okay that's a pretty nice cosign so i checked it out i loved it and as i listened to this record like what i want to know i want to know is like what is your what was your main intention behind making an album like this like was it to you know rally listeners to care about the stuff you're rapping about antagonize people who you think maybe are against what you stand for or was this just like a basic simple like free expression of ideas you wanted to talk about well it's really because after black bolshevik i really didn't expect to really do anything else you know what i mean because i've been putting out (laughs) i must have had like eight projects you know out before black bolshevik um you know and i've been putting shit out over and over and over to like noah vell um, you know, a little buzz here and there, friends like, oh, you're nice, you know, that type mm-hmm. shit. But somehow, you know, Black Bullshit just fucking exploded on the internet. Excuse me. Um, so I'm like, you know, well, Black Bullshit is only eight tracks, like 25 minutes, and all of these new people are coming in, you know what I mean? I got to give them more of me, you know what I'm saying? I can't let this be 
you know, if I was to die right now, my last project is Black Grocery Week, like, come the fuck on. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So um, I really wanted to take the opportunity to really say, I'm here. This is me. This is Gaius. You know, so I changed my name. It used to be Jaja with two zeros because the name Jaja was already fucking taken for some reason. Mm. So I changed my name, you know, changed my attitude, <laughs> uh, changed the beat. Um, I didn't really change the beats, really. The beats are really still the same. The production process was still the same at, the, at its core, I guess. But, um, you know, got a little more kind of like took everything that I've learned from the past million fucking projects that I made and tried to culminate it into one, you know, complete project just to take advantage of the buzz that was going mm-hmm. on. And um, I guess it worked out well. Yeah, it feels like a nice combination of a lot of different styles. Like one thing that I, I really, really appreciated was like many times during that first listen, especially because I, again, like I had no context for what, like anything you did other than this cosign. So, okay, let's check it out. And at many times I was like audibly saying to myself, sitting on my chair, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what is, what, the, what is this? Like, I'm so confused. Like it, it breaks so many tendencies that we traditionally get in rap. Like we get politically charged music with like really rich, catchy, musically inventive production. Like this isn't the norm. Um, and the production here I want to zero in on because it's like really, really impressive. It's like crack. It's it's like frenetic energy, chipmunk soul, like hyper pop almost. There's like a lot of R&B sounding samples that are, are really prominent that I love. Like, how would you describe the sound you were going for on this album? Uh, it wasn't really a specific sound that I was going for. It's just a matter of I had a shitload of beats. And, you know, nobody buys beats anymore, so you know, you might as well use them for yourself. And I just took my favorite shit, what I thought I was personally able to make capable of, um, and just, you know, tried to fit it into the album the best way that I can. I, I, don't, I don't know, I'm not really, I feel like I don't really have the resources or the time, because at the time I'm working two jobs, you know, I'm bouncing between whether I'm gonna go to school, go back to school or not, you know, shit like that. So I didn't really feel like I had the time to sit and build this conceptual sound, this conceptual concept or whatever, like, you know, um, it's just a matter of getting the bar. That's why I kind of like, I kind of say like, this is a mixtape for real, you know what I'm saying? Because it's just beats, bars, and <laughs> hope. Like, you know what I'm mm. saying? Um, so, you know, it's not a lot of structure. It's not a lot of choruses. It's not a lot of, you know, it's not touched up in the best way. And that's what I meant by like, you know, I, I kind of compromised with this project. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, it wasn't a lot of studio time. You know what I mean? It wasn't an expensive, it was the most expensive project I've ever had, but it wasn't an expensive project. You know what I mean? So it really wasn't a, a, a thought process. Like this is what I wanted to sound like. It's more like right. what I got. Let me make the best of it. You know I feel I mean? like that in that, in that, on that note though i feel like that is something that makes this album particularly exciting to listen to because it really doesn't you really can't tell where it's gonna go both from like a stylistic music uh, perspective but also even in some of the lyrics because there's there's obviously some politically charged music no shit but there's also like music that's not related to that at all that are like about like women and things like that or there's more of like humor or like odd lyrical references that kind of like balance it a bit it's just a really like interesting listen and one of the things that i loved about the music was the like 
a lot of the ways you layer samples are remind me a lot of like plunder phonics music like particularly even from artists like like the avalanches like there's some really strange choices and like almost like cacophonous shit happening that is just really impressive like could you could you speak on some of your musical inspirations I honestly, other than the plunder, for, I listen to a lot of Dilla and Avalanches. It's funny. I think I told the story on like Twitter once. I took this like music program, entrepreneurship program in South Philly High School. I was getting um, cyber schooled at the time, but they paid mm. kids to show up um, and learn whatever the fuck they were learning. And we had to show all the kids played instruments, oboe, violin, that type shit. You know, uh, we had to make music. And I was like, yo, anybody got a laptop? You know, mm. <laughs> uh, niggas is like, what the fuck is he talking about? Or like the time we had to show like our most influential songs, the songs that we really liked. And everybody's like on a flute playing whatever song that influenced them. You know, I go up, I play like a Dilla track. Niggas is like, what the fuck is going on? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, So definitely that is so funny thinking back on that. But I also a lot of like jazz, um, a lot of like Ornette Coleman, Miles, nice. of course you know, uh, Sonny Rollins and shit like that. You know, it opened up a new door for me because it showed me so much shit that traditionally isn't allowed can be considered a classic. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Dolphy, shit like that. Nice. Um, It's just, you know, what what the fuck is he doing with this damn saxophone? You listen to giant steps. you like, this is not how you play the fucking instrument. You know what I'm saying? But it sounds fucking amazing. Um, <laughs> so, you know, when you take that mindset and you, you know, you got artists like JPEG Mafia or, um, you know, shit like that, that just do whatever the fuck they want. Um, and it's, you know, it sounds cacophonous at first, but to a lot of people, it's probably the most melodic shit they've ever heard mm-hmm. you know saying, I think that's, um, really where it comes from. So I definitely want to attribute that to the OGs, to the jazz folks. Um, definitely first and foremost. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely hear that, that, uh, that thought that this doesn't need just because it hasn't been done before or just is a little counterintuitive. It can still work because yeah, like I, particularly those like R and B samples that are, that are on that, like on, like they, they really add a element that's like, just, yeah, I don't know how to describe it. It's just very strange. I just was like, this is not the type of sound, the kind of vibe that I would hear with the kind of like the subject matter and it's uh, but it works really well, very layered. So, you know, as an artist that, you know, you just, you really recently released a track called I personally wouldn't revive Queen Elizabeth um, as soon as she died, you know, <laughs> not like the opposite of rest in peace. I, I don't <laughs> want to say that at all. Um, you don't seem to be one to bite your tongue or be afraid of, you know, public perception, but like you, you just referenced it actually a second ago. Like you had that tweet that I wanted to get into from, from last month where you said you settled and compromised a lot on this album. And I found that interesting because none of this felt watered down or anything of the sort. So could you elaborate on what you meant by that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess in a sense of not settled in compromise in terms of the message or anything, because, um, you know, I, I would never do that. Um, well, like I said, never, never say never. That paycheck <laughs> is good enough, you know. <laughs> Let me shut up. But no, um, <laughs> fucking... Um, it's just a lot of opportunities in which I wish I could have spent that extra three hours in the studio trying to make sure this vocal sounded right, you know? And that's why what, what kind of pissed me off when I first dropped the album and there was a lot of conversations about the mixing. I'm like, mm. bro, 
I wish I never marketed this as like an album because like there's so many expectations and it's like I'm paying for this off bi-weekly paychecks working 35, 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying with me and my engineer, you know, we're in the studio for two hours max every other week. You know what I'm saying? How how polished do you ex- expect this to sound? You know what I mean? Um, but people, everybody's a critic. Um, and that's something that I've had to learn. It's like people are going to have something to say regardless. Um, so, but yeah, it's just certain shit like that or like a song. I had to leave a song off because like niggas couldn't, the, the way they were sending the verses, it wasn't good enough for me. Mm. Um, I couldn't bring them up into the studio and have them record and feel that energy and vibe. You know, excuse me. Um, and um, certain production choices, I would have loved like added instrumentation on certain shit or, you know, for a bass to hit harder or shit. Yeah. Like, um, which is why it's like pretty fucking daunting that the reception, not daunting, I gotta stop using that word. It's pretty surprising that the reception is as critically acclaimed as it is because like, you know, this is a very tight knit, you know, low budget operation. Yeah. Lo-fi operation. Yeah. Type genre. Um, and people are calling the album of the year. It's like, yeah, well, that's fucking insane. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm like, imagine if I can really sit with a, you know, with an advance and do whatever I want, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like what could I concoct with that? But then I'm also scared because it may force me to settle. You know what I'm saying? It may force me to be like, oh, just let me just throw whatever verse on here. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, I don't really need to think too hard about it because I got money. I can just flaunt it. You know, just throw some drums on that shit. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It'll prevent me from thinking outside the box. So, you know, I really want to focus on playing that line correctly of not overthinking, but at the same time, also overthinking, yeah. you know, still keeping that scrappy DIY mindset but at the same time, applying it to things, you know, in which I don't fall for the traditional trap to where I now yeah. sound like everybody else because I'm not thinking outside that box no more. So, Yeah, it's, it's really, it's always hard with artists that have like that kind of DIY mindset and when they get some acclaim and then they have the next album that has a bit more of a budget, it's tough. Sometimes they can do it, but sometimes it's just like you can tell they couldn't walk that tightrope of like okay this is like really creative they did a lot with with what they had versus just kind of like okay well i had more money so it just sounds more polished but polished doesn't mean good Definitely. it just means it's more clean Definitely. um and yeah that thing about the mixing yeah that's just a it's becoming a meme at this point <laughs> like any <laughs> album comes at the mixing is just like the most like nerdy thing and even though like to be clear i i really think the mix is important but like important doesn't mean it needs to be clean it just means it needs to be i think like appropriate for the mix like if i'm listening to a like a julia holter i don't know if you're familiar with her she's a pop artist i love her that music if it's really muddy it's like no i want her vocals to be like crystal clear the 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 Mm -hmm. violins to be crystal clear but if it's like some some like aggressive like really like a like speaking all these like working class issues like in your music like i, I don't know like i don't first yeah. of all i didn't even notice any mixing problems with your it never even came up and like when i listened to it but it's like there's still a lot of layers going on and it's funny you say like additional instrumentation i find like there's so many times in this 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 record where there's like a lot of interesting musical detours and like that i wouldn't have expected again which i was impressed by yeah, the mixing is just a thing that people like to say to sound smart. <laughs> no, that is. <laughs> um, so 
now that you have this album out and you're talking about like what the next one could be like what i know you have this fbfc mixtape coming soon and from what i understand through someone i read it's a artist from three different cities hosted by djs two of which are trans mm-hmm. proceeds of the release party that you're going to have soon are going to the a mutual aid group in philly yeah that sounds really special so um what could you tell us more about this tape like what's it going to sound like i saw also that you said you wanted this to prove that you can rap about more than just communism yeah definitely so this wasn't an idea, but it was a solo idea. I was telling my man Zeladio from uh, Empty Opinions, um, who I didn't really, we didn't really, I went to high school with him, but he didn't really talk. But then he heard that I made music after graduation and we kind of like built a bond from there. A uh, real close friend. Um, like I always wanted to just rap, you know, Lil Wayne, fabulous, papoose type shit. Just mm-hmm. get on those beats and just rip they fucking beats in half. And he's like, yo, I would love to hear that because, you know, I love bars. I just love hearing straight bars. You know, I'm from Philly. You know, that's what we do. It's mm-hmm. battle rap, you know, like Mecca. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, I always wanted to do that. And the thing was, I had just put out a project. And it's like, how many verses can I really give out? So I'm going to need a lot of features on this. You know what I mean? And through traveling, you know, I've been to Baltimore. I've done a show in Baltimore. I haven't done a show in Brooklyn, but I knew I knew Zen through Banana Pill, who's hosting the tape. Um, and Zen is from Brooklyn. Um, and I've been up Brooklyn a lot because my um, brother lives up there. Um, and Zen is a part of a collective money over zombies. Um, I was just like, you know, let, let me see if I could if, if everybody's going to be. And then um, met the homie Demar Alien. He's the reason why I had a show in Baltimore. He had two world order. So he has homies under his collective. I was like, let me oh, just. Oh, I fuck with them. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. They're pretty nice. uh, well known. Yeah. Um, I was just like, let me ask them if they can get together on this because I need the features bad anyway. So then, you know, as it develops, I'm just like, damn, I have a fuckload of people. You know what I mean? Why not just? I've always wanted to be the organizer. I've always been told that I'm like a leader, a good organizer, and shit like that. You know, I've organized my release party. You know, for that album and shit like that, and that went well. So I was like, let me try my hand at that again. And um, let's just do an entire studio session with everybody. Everybody's gonna come up to Philly. We're gonna spend like six hours in the studio, try to knock the out, try to knock the mixtape out in one day. You know, I'm gonna be mixing. The homie Mal is gonna be mixing. You know, uh, we get as many tracks finished as possible, and then we throw a party afterwards to celebrate it because you know I just I just like the party. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so um, and the homies at Legoland. That was my Philly show, my first Philly show, I think second Philly show. And that was really fun. Um, so I was like, I want to, you know, recreate that. But I want to show love to everybody, you know, that's on this featured mixtape as well. So it's going to be kind of like a triple exposure type thing, you know, based off of my clout or whatever, you know, they get some clout or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, with it being called Free Breakfast for Children, um, that's FBFC, kind of based off the Panthers and shit like that, revolutionary shit. Um, I think the homie uh, Blackwater came up with that. Um, they was like, well, it might as well be a charitable thing, too. Yeah. Uh, that's a fucking great idea. Like, I was mad I didn't think of it. Like, why didn't I think of that shit? <laughs> so um, I was like, yeah, because I ain't making no money off the shit anyway. You can't sell a mixtape. You know what I mean? You rap yeah. no people's beats. You know, that's how DJ Drama got arrested. Uh, <laughs> mm. So um, we was like, you know, at least we can make money off the party and the party and the money from the party can go towards the Philly Van Project, who right. 
on the Indigo, it's very well-known revolutionary in the city. They're trying to get a van rented in which they just drive around the city and just give homeless folk and shit like that food. That's amazing. And uh, hazard materials and stuff like that. Um, so it's just, you know, a big event thing, cultural event. I kind of compared it to like Cool Herc's like a uh, 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 hip hop party back in like 1973. Like, mm. you know, um, you know, I want it to be like where, you know, that thing where it's like, people look back on it like, damn, guy, he's really put together something really like legendary. You know what I mean? I want yeah. it staple in the city type of thing. So, yeah. That's exciting. That That's a really, it seems like it's going to do a lot of good. And that's just a really big props to you and you and your team working on this. Like that's, that's, that's special. Um, so like with, with the, with this release of the mixtape coming and you have a new album, do you have any thoughts about what this new album, like the next record will be, especially given the fact that you, you sound like you want to take more time with it and do those extra things you couldn't do with, there will be uh, no super slave. I think I want to take, I want to play with the idea of radio hits and see if I could get into that avenue of mainstreamness without compromising the political shit and without compromising the creative shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I don't want it to sound like typical shit, but I still want it to be not digestible, in the sense that I'm catering to people, but yeah. in which new ears are like gravitating towards me. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to figure out what I mean by that. I'm not really sure what I mean by that, but I'm pretty sure it'll come in due time. Um, I really want to get a tour off for Super Slave first. And then, uh, you know, we can talk about, you know, the, you know, I can talk about, you know, getting the album recorded and shit like that. But you know, it'll be kind of fucking strange to have a whole new album and then I'm touring off the second album and folks didn't even get to, you know what I mean? Mm. I didn't really get to expand Super Slave to its biggest, you know, um, potential yet. Yeah. I mean, um, so definitely, but I wouldn't be surprised, you know, people talk about, you know, albums dropping too fast, but everybody always dropped the album every year. Jay-Z, Kanye. Mm. You know, albums always came out every year, every eight months, every two years. You know what I mean? So I'm definitely ready. You know what I mean? Whenever that check hits and they're like, all right, get what you need, make an album. Yeah. Always prepared. I have so many ideas that I've had since I was 16, 15, 14 that I could play with right now. Um, you know what I mean? But that's that's kind of like the idea, the whole radio hit into the without compromising thing. I kind of want to play with that idea just to see if it's possible. I mean, like, even what we hear on, on Super Slave, like, I feel you're already close to that. Yeah. Like, you don't you don't fully venture into that. So I guess, like, what you're describing would be fully venturing into that. But just given, like, your musical influences and how you've been al already able to execute it, like, I'm sure you'd be able to do that. Because you got, like, the, the flows that could kind of be flexible enough for that. Mm -hmm. And you got, like, the, the musical style that, like, I, I think that'd be super cool. And I think that's really necessary because I'm always not necessary. It would be, but also it's just, I really per personally appreciate that as someone who likes a lot of like underground music. I also love some good music that you can play around people that aren't as yeah. tapped in. Like yeah. that's why like some of the records this year from like Vince Staples, Larry June, I really have played the shit out of them because like they're really good. They're rapping well. I like what they're talking about, but also it's just like super it can like be played around like girls and like people that are not into this shit. And it's like that. Thank you. 
Need and it's it. like, I definitely have an appreciation for more of the outsider shit. Yeah. Um, I definitely will at some point double down and just outright, fuck it, I don't care. I'm going to make some experimental, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, but at the same time, in going back, I guess this is just like the organizer in me, going back to not wanting to alienate anybody, you know what I'm saying? You know, and that's not to knock anybody that refuses to go that avenue, you know what I'm saying? got to do what you got to do play towards your strengths yeah exactly type of thing um but i don't i've always been a type of person you know who knows his strengths and wants to gain more strengths you know what i mean like thanos i want to collect more you know i need more stones so you know i already proved that i could do the underground shit now i want to see if i can do some mainstream shit and maybe next record i'll see if i can make an r&b song like i don't know you know what i mean i'm like playing around with it so you know what i mean and and like uh last thing i want to know is like who are some artists that you'd love to work with in the future that you haven't had the chance to yet definitely arm and hammer yeah i need that uh definitely peggy that's a given mm-hmm. um, <laughs> backwash is already off the list yo I, i'm so excited. I've, I've seen a tweet i know you have a guy i know you guys have a song i'm so fucking excited for that yeah. hook i love hook um I, I would love to do a track with her. I would love to go bar for bar with a lot of niggas. Uh, you know, like I would love to do some Griselda shit, definitely. Um, that's 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 very you know, like Nicholas Craven, the alchemist, obvious ones. Oh, um, I like you with Craven. That would be interesting. Craven would be crazy. Um, definitely like I would love to try to like try my hand with I'm cool with Soul Glow. They were one of the first folks to um put me on. You know, one of the first bigger artists to shout me Damn, out to. That's sick. Um, I would love to try my hand at some of their type music. Um, or they come over and try their hands at some of my type music. Who knows? You know, fucking idols. I would love to try some shit with oh. I. Yo, I saw I saw speaking of idols, I saw them the day because they came to Toronto. I saw mm-hmm. them the day the queen died. So we got like the, <laughs> they had so many monologues. They were like, "Hey, the queen's dead. Now it's fuck the king." <laughs> like, uh, it was it was boring. beautiful. I was like, "That was special." But anyways, keep going. Idols be sick. There it is. Um, idols, Anderson Pack, Bruno. Like you, you know, the list just fucking goes on. There's so many people. Cause like I said, I just I want to collect the stones. I want to try everything, and I want it all to sound good. I want to have a flawless discography. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm gonna keep hitting pounding banging my head against the wall till i get it right you know what i mean um so yeah well i'll just say like i'm really happy that uh you're experiencing all the success like this this kind of music like i I wanted to get even more exposure i wanted to get even more love and i want people to like hear what you're saying like to actually listen to what you're saying so i think you're saying a lot of important things and it also sounds fantastic like i cannot stress people haven't heard this record like this will surprise you at bare minimum, you'll be like, wow, this is not this is not what I've heard this year. It's not anything I've heard this year. So thanks for coming on the show. Uh, yeah, just uh, end it with just saying like where people can get your music. Uh, anywhere, G-H-A-I-S Guevara. Um, I'm on any platform. Um, if you're going to buy my shit, you know, Bandcamp's cool, but guysguevara.net is a more direct thing. The money comes straight to me. Mm. Um, so that's always perfect. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Oh, no, but free breakfast for children. It's going to be strictly a free download on my website. It's going nice. to be on Bandcamp. It's going to be on YouTube and SoundCloud, actually. But it's going to be like free and shit like that. So 
you know, if if you want it on your phone, like you would have to download it on my fucking website, you know. Yeah. Like, All right, man. Thank you so much. Uh, good luck with your Eagles tonight. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> Peace out. Peace. Chain with us all like a Scarface. I've been a nigga to get it. I pay for a hair and a rent with a parlay. Crackers be trying to turn niggas with 20 like they wasn't laughing at blackface. If I say I'm gonna kill me a cracker, that shit not a joke, it's a showcase. Hey, might fuck around and then post Sharia law on that rat scene. I don't give a fuck, ain't scared of nothing if that bitch bleed. Peep, they fear the guy hand. Knew I was a target and I turned that into finance. I stopped here rely, I hope this black ain't got a tap dance. Uh, give a fuck about some rat fans. Fetishize my trauma, bring the drama, bitch, I slap fans. Catch a mad show, want you to blow it when they clap hands. So there we have it. Another episode of the Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC TV. I hope this episode gave you some new perspectives and insights into what the greatest art form known to man in hip-hop music has to offer. If you want to support the show in the most meaningful way possible, it would be my absolute honor to have you as a patron in the new Rap Music Plug podcast Patreon. Through this Patreon, you will be getting exclusive content such as bonus episodes, exclusive album recommendations, exclusive playlists, early access to episodes, and more. And above all though, you will be able to support the show directly in a way that will not only justify the crazy amount of time I spend on this show already, but allow me to cover some of the expenses related to supporting all of these great artists that we cover on the show through the website and will allow us to sustain and build on this amazing growth that the RMPP has experienced recently. Big shout out to Dano of Free Music Empire, Levi, Steel to Dove, Kakoa, Mahima, Jeff, Mitch, Dash Lewis, Pancake Cleaner, Trey, Noah, Justin, Brandon, Joe, Gavin, Matt, Teddy Faley, Jackson, Kian, Slumber Logic, Fatman Tomb, and Khalid for your generous support through the Patreon. I really appreciate it. So if you have any questions about any of the Patreon stuff or just want to keep tabs on the show, interact with me on rap music and all the great stuff that we can talk about, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at rapmusicplugpod or shoot me an email at qlctv.podcast at gmail.com. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on YouTube and Spotify as well. But that's enough self-promotion for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Peace.